Hey everybody, welcome to episode 41 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting for nearly 30 years. And as today is New Year's Day, we look at some of the highlights from the first 40 episodes of the podcast. So let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoy the show this week, but before we begin, I want to give you the following information. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at DetectingThe or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast. Or if you want to pop me an email to Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com. And now, if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link will be in the show notes. If you'd like to buy me a coffee, you can actually do so now with buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting. And lastly, and most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey, detectorists. Welcome to episode 41 and a happy new year to everyone. Year 2021. Who would have thought it? What has 2020 been like for you? That may be a stupid question as COVID rears its ugly head again. But the new year is always a time for reflection on the year previous. So hopefully you have all had some highs mixed in with the nightmare that COVID turned out to be. For me, my day-to-day work went from travelling the world on a monthly basis to being confined to my home office for the last nine months. And that has been a tough transition, let me tell you. However, every cloud has a silver lining. And without COVID and the time I gained by working from home, I probably would still be thinking that I might start a podcast on metal detecting. And in fact, doing the podcast has helped me get through it. I think the first nine months of the podcast have been a success with the show hitting the top 100 podcasts in the history category on iTunes regularly. And with the release of episode 40 last week on Christmas Day, I was glad to see the podcast hit the top 5% of podcasts with my host Buzzsprout. So we are growing week on week, which is great, and hopefully at some stage in 2021, we can get a sponsor on board. Plus the show now has a little traction to get products for review and interviews. So I hope to leverage all this in 2021 to make the podcast even better. I have had some feedback to include in interviews a more technical discussion around the equipment the interviewees use, so I will definitely add this to my repertoire of questions. Over the last nine months, I talked to some great people on the show, and I feel, with this being the last show of the year, that it would be good to hear some of the highlights. So, to start, we go with my very first interview on the podcast with Norway Digger, and we pick up the episode where I just asked him how he got started. I was always interested in treasure hunting, ever since I was a little child, and uh, my granny used to to bring me in the car and go for a drive to visit her parents, and there was a mountain range that we were driving by every time, and she used to tell me the same story every time we drove by, about three robbers who obviously stole something and hid the treasure up in the, the caves that was never found. So that's kind of what piqued my interest at start. Obviously, later on in life, I never did anything about it until um, all these TV shows and Oak Island and treasure hunting channels and all that starts came come along on YouTube. And I got into it and I said, I might as well just give it a go myself. 
As a first interview, I couldn't have asked for a better interviewee than Bjornar, who was very open with his opinions and information. Up next is an interview that resulted in my longest episode to date, and that was with the chatterbox that is Joel Green, or better known as Digging Deep Beeps. We pick it up here where we discuss Joel's weekly show and tell the What You Dig stream and what his vision for it was. The What You Dig live stream, I call it the internet's largest show and tell. The last stream goes 220 people online showing off their finds. I found it really inspiring and I think it makes the metal detecting community stronger. Where did you come up with that concept? I really think it's a unique concept because a lot of videos online are, particularly metal detecting videos, are beep beep dig you know we're waving around a metal detector and we were showing the same stuff essentially over and over again you know unless it's something that's really <laughs> awesome you get two questions is it clickbait or is it actually awesome <laughs> you know what i mean that's the, no. that's the situation you're in but i really think what you've done with the what you dig live stream i think it really is elevating the community and i, I think it's a really great thing to do um so where did you come up with the concept well you know i was i I, I started with uh, Metal Detecting Nation. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a live stream on YouTube. So we do Wednesday nights at seven p.m. I'll just throw a plug out there. We haven't done it in a few weeks because of vacations and stuff like that. But uh, a couple of my really good buddies, uh, Jordy and Dave, they started it, and they brought me aboard. We have some amazing people. I don't know uh, Nancy, uh, Ambient Girl, Relic Hunter. Uh, she's on there. She's huge in the community. She's such a positive influence there, everybody. We have the Jersey History Hunter on there, uh, Rachel and Audra, amazing people. You know, they do a lot for the community. So after joining them, I was kind of like, I could do my own. So, and the, the, what my What Do You Dig live stream represents is it's not metal, it's not always metal detecting based. Yeah, I show people's finds and I stuff. But it's more of a an outreach. That's that's what yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I talk about my life. I talk about my life issues. Mm-hmm. I talk about, you know, stress in my life. And and I really try to, like, you know, if I can help somebody in one way that they're upset about something, that's what it is. And the what do you do live, uh, live stream is not just metal technique based. It's what do you dig? Sorry. What do you dig? Yeah. And so digging not means digging anything out of the ground, but it means what hobbies do you like? Uh, I want to have different people on that do stuff other than metal detecting, which right now I haven't really had a lot of co-hosts. I mean, it's hard finding people that want to do a Monday night at 7 PM. Uh, but when I started live streaming, I wanted to be a positive influence in, in people's lives. I, I don't, I don't like, I have people that message me all the time. I respond to them and they're like, Oh, Joel, you're, you know, you're a huge influence in my life. And you're, you're such a big star. I'm not a star. I, and, and I don't, and I, when people say that, that, you know, they look up to me, I appreciate that, but I'm just Joel. I am, yeah. I, I am. I'm a real person that is just doing a live stream and I sincerely consider everybody that joins the DDB family as family. I have a lot of personal conversations with people. And um, so that's, that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to, do, you know, I end all my live streams with make somebody smile because that's kind of one of the mottos I go by, you know, make somebody smile today, tomorrow, send somebody a text, 
you know, and, uh, and so that's, that's pretty much what, what do you dig? What do you dig represents is bringing the community together as a family and we can all hang out together for an hour, hour or something like that. I've went three hours on live streams. I've done private live streams for friends for their birthdays. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do, I would have a dance party where I would, I would have to put it on private or unlisted or actually Mm -hmm. private on YouTube because I was playing copyrighted music. That's what I want to represent to the community as somebody that's fun, loving that. If you have an issue in your life, I mean, I've given my phone number out on stream. If you need to call me, call me, you know, I mean, and I mean, I got, I got some crap over that. Joel, why are you doing that? It's because I, I want to help people out. If somebody's down, you know, I struggle with my own demons. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of other people do too. And there's a lot of people that are in my, my metal detecting family that do also. And if I can just, you know, be that positive person in their life, even if it's just for a minute, that makes me happy. Joel has actually left the content creation scene since, but I think we can all agree that what Joel was doing was elevating the community of Metal Detecting Online, and I'm looking forward to when we have Joel back, if he decides to do so. Up next was a dinger of an interview with Sean and Mike from the Metal Detecting channel on YouTube. We join just as Sean is describing finding a Henry VI gold hammy. And this one's to you, Sean. You recently pulled out the Henry VI gold hammered coin. Uh, that's a find on anybody's bucket list. Can you describe the feeling when you first realized what it was? Uh, it, it, it's uh, it's quite emotional, actually. <laughs> uh, it, it definitely definitely <laughs> is bet. that. Uh, well, when, when I was digging away, and uh, I say I was digging away, and I saw a hammered coin, but it were it were caked in a bit of bit of whatever it's been buried in for however how long and when I realized mm-hmm. it were a gold coin it were it were just everything come out all at once. I mean it's I've listened back to watch the video and it's <laughs> did I really make that noise? <laughs> yeah. Oh it's brilliant. You know, it's brilliant it's, to watch. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's it's so uh, genuine, yeah. Great. Yeah it's a fantastic feeling it is. Yeah that that's the thing in it. It's hard to uh, to make up it's hard to make up that uh, reaction. But you know sometimes mm-hmm. I do think to myself yeah. we do find we do find that many sort of silver coins and things on every dig that maybe there's somebody watching thinking that's got to be fake. That's got to be fake. And honest to God, it's just, it's not fake. It is exactly how it is. We, we dig about a thousand holes in a day, you know, so we are doing some digging. Yeah. Sometimes we're out there for 12 hours and digging, yeah. digging, digging. And we might find one silver yeah, hammer or something, but that makes, that makes the video for us. Mike and Sean are some of the hardest working detectorists on the scene. And I nearly fell off my seat when they said they could dig hundreds of signals in a day. We followed this interview with Leon Fonsale from Zarps Metal Detecting South Africa on YouTube, just as I put him on the spot for a quick history lesson on the Boer War. Quick history test. You've mentioned you've mentioned oh, the Boer War a few times. Give the listeners a quick history test. What is the Boer War? And give us a history lesson on it. Yeah, so the Boer War... Um Basically, uh, we're farmers um, down in the Cape and, uh, you know, the British came over and um, they, well, this is the dumbed down version. The Boers didn't like that. So they said, well, to hell with you guys. We are, we are moving or in Dutch uh, tracking. 
and uh, that's how the foot trackers um, basically became. So these guys uh, tracked up or moved up around through KZN, um, and some of them stayed there, and some of them moved up to what was then known as the Transvaal and the Orange Free State. And uh, the Transvaal and the Orange Free State then basically became two independent uh, states. And um, so they were stuck around there for about 40, 50 years um, until the British found out that uh, they had found gold uh, on a reef in, uh, in those two states. And they decided, well, you know, we want a piece of that. So, uh, yeah, uh, the long story short is in 1880 was the start of the First Boer War, um, which wasn't successful for the British. And um, they remained independent states. And uh, then again in 1899 was the start of the Second Boer War, um, which lasted three years. And uh, for some of the guys in the UK um, would know, or maybe not know, but was referred to as the most humiliating war that the British have uh, or had ever fought, yeah. you know, where they said that it would last six months. It ended to be um, three years. And what's interesting about that is, you know, these were these were plain Jane farmers. You know, these guys weren't soldiers or anything. And uh, what made the Boer War, the Second Boer War, uh, so tedious and so long is um, um, they had a tactic um, where they reverted to guerrilla warfare. And, um, yeah, that uh, that war ended basically in 1902. Um, the Boers lost. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's basically the long and the short, yeah? Leon was a wealth of knowledge and a real advocate for the hobby in South Africa. Up next is one of my favourite interviews, and that was with Digger with Will. Will, who I think had a cold at the time, soldiered on regardless and regaled us with the depth of history he has within walking distance of his house. About personal permissions, I try and keep them as close to my house as possible because I take my wee one with me. Yeah. Um, and generally, I just walk there. Um, like, I've got one that's literally just over the wall from my house and just along a wee bit and then I've got ones that are probably about half a mile walk and they're my probably ones probably the most productive that I've ever had which is in quite a it's weird because in 10 square meter 10 square meter area I found like over 200 musket balls um, so originally I thought it might have been like a training area because it's got like a cliff face against it yeah, but it turns out because um, a lot of the local people, like local people, were getting used to me being in the f- them fields. So there was one person came up to me and said that he's been looking into it for me, and the reason why I'm finding all the musket balls is because they used to hold the silver gun competition at that field in that area, um, and the silver gun started. With James the First and James the Sixth, well, James the First, James the Sixth, gifted this trophy to the tradesmen of Dumfries, and it was basically to promote their training and marksmanship, um, because it was the tradesmen that defended the town, so it was in the best interest of the yeah. king to have the best, basically the best, yeah, marksman. So. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much. It's, I don't know where it's held now, but I'm pretty sure it's still held today. But in that field, it was held there between 1720 and I think it was 
1797 that it stopped being held in that field. Wow, that's ama- That's an amazing piece of history. Yeah, um, that whole general area is like full of history. Like, there's a field that's not one of my permissions. There's been a lot of Bronze Age stuff being pulled up from it in the sixties. But on that cliff face, there is a area um, that has been linked back to the Druids. Wow. For like rituals and things like that, and apparently they used to throw basically young girls off this cliff face, basically, as part of the rituals. (laughs) 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 Will would call himself a novice as he is only detecting a few years, but has orchestrated a community of nearly 300 detectorists in Scotland within his first year of detecting, which is something to be proud of. My final interview this year was with Dirtfish Mish from Down Under, Australia. Mish, who is very knowledgeable with her equipment, teaches me a thing or two with the hunting combo of the Equinox 800 coupled with the Nocta Macro Pulse Dive. I see you're using the Equinox and the Pulse Dive Pinpointer. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm asking this question because I have the exact same two, the Equinox and the Pulse Find. Um, so why did you pick that combo? All right, so... Equinox was basically because it was the dream machine and, you know, everyone was recommending to to go to that for a coin and relic machine within the budget I had. Um, the pulse dive was pretty much because I spend my time at the beach. Um, I wanted one that performed well in saltwater conditions, uh, but also the advantage of the pulse dive is that scuba coil head. So while yeah. I haven't used that too much, admittedly, at this point, the weather's, we're coming into summer here. And I'm looking to take that in the water, do a bit of snorkel diving. I did trial it a little bit uh, pre-COVID, but unfortunately, you know, everything shut down. It went into winter and it it just didn't work. But, um, yeah, really keen to get out there and and do some snorkeling with it, um, see what I can find with it. Yeah, I've taken a snorkeling. All right, it was great. Very successful, I have to say. A few times I've used it with the... The reason I asked this question was more to lead into this question, <laughs> and it's a problem. It's a problem I'm having with them, and it might be a case of read the FM, you know, read the flipping <laughs> manual. But do you find that the, the pulse dive interferes with the equinox? Okay, so when yes and no. So when I got it, yes, it did straight away. Um, yeah, there's the two ways you can combat it. So you dependent on which device you want to tackle first. So the obvious one is the noise cancel. So have the pulse dive on and then do your noise cancel on your knocks while it's on. Um, Generally speaking, that will stop it there. But the pulse dive itself, you can actually cycle through, I think it's like 20 or 40 different, um, I don't don't know if it's frequencies or not, but 20 or so different settings. Yeah. Um, So that you can actually cancel it on that end as well. So I actually ended up, doing a combination of both um, because my husband has a pulse dive as well. So we didn't want to run them at the same frequency. Yeah. So I shifted mine a couple of notches and then we just noise cancel with them on if it's causing any grief. Um, but yeah, you can get around it pretty quickly. Yeah. So maybe I should have read the manual. <laughs> <laughs> I find that if I, if I leave the, so when I dig my hole mm-hmm. and I leave the coil, from my Equinox down on the ground and I get down to put the pulse dive in, I find that it goes off at the corner, say, the direction to the coil is. So I end up having to move the coil another five, six feet away. And I'm like, 
and I'm I'm struggling with it. To be honest, I I lost my Gareth, and I'm I'm struggling with this one at the minute. But I, I definitely need to read the manual. Yeah, no, you definitely um, need to move the detector away when you crouch. Um, you'll actually see me do that. It's probably like every third or fourth video I'll crouch down. Yeah. The pole stars going absolutely nuts before I've even gotten it okay. near the hole. So yeah, you'll see me kind of kick the detector off to the side. Yeah. Um, but okay. yeah, they're they're both, nice with me. <laughs> they're both sensitive little units. So yeah. That was a great interview too, as were all my guests, and I want to thank each and every one of them again. So, thank you to Norway Digger, Digging Deep Beeps, The Metal Detecting Channel, Leon Fonsale, Digger With Will, and Dirtfish Mish. And finally, thank you, without whom I would not have a voice. I really appreciate your dedication listening to the last 40 episodes. Here's to a great 2021, with loads of properly dug holes and gold-filled pockets. Happy New Year. That's it for this week. I hope you liked this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Actually, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can do so now at buymeacoffee.com forward slash metaldetecting. Also, if you would like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link will be in the show notes. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. If you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down and happy hunting.